Today on Locked On Canadians, a wild, wacky, weird game in Winnipeg. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the good and the bad. And then we have some words for the coward Mark Shifley. You're Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 563 of Locked On Canadians. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and we are also on youtube now we didn't get to our goal of 500 by march 1st we are now recording at around the deadline there's about 50 minutes from the deadline um and we did not get to our goal of 500 but i do pledge to eat something weird or disgusting on a video um once we do get to 500 so please make sure you hit 500 subscribers or please make sure you are subscribed to our youtube channel um as soon as possible my name is laura sab also known as the active stick and i'm joined as always by scott matla of habs eyes on the prize and if you were looking at that intro there i had the names wrong on the screen so that is my bad so for about 30 <laughs> seconds scott, you were laura saba what does it feel like to be laura saba finally i have great hair I've waited 31 <laughs> years for this moment, and finally, my hopes and dreams have come true in that I have phenomenal hair and the ability to know where I want to travel to as an adult. So it is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty great, I'm not going to lie to you. And I have a wonderful dog, a needy cat who's adorable, and an awesome girlfriend. So for about 30 seconds, life was great for the two of us. Uh, you know who life was not great for tonight is Semyon Montembeau. We're going to talk about... Um, some specifics about the good and the bad of the game a little bit later in in the episode but I really want to talk about just the sheer number of things that happened in tonight's game there were penalties there were, it was just literally a penalty parade there was a weird ass fight there was a hat trick on the losing team um there was you know th there were there was a disallowed goal or it wasn't really it was a distinct kicking motion like i mean it was the right call um there was a penalty shot awarded uh in a shorthanded sh uh, scoring attempt so there were just there's so many things going on so like not not even going wrong it was just it was just uh hard to sort of focus i think the jets are not a good team obviously the canadians are have had an abysmal season and are still trying to find their way back and sort of you know um trying to work from the ground up but both teams looked extremely undisciplined and there was no cohesion whatsoever on either side of the ice tonight I saw I think the Canadians uh sort of they, they, they were okay they weren't great is the thing and I think that if it wasn't for goaltending I feel like first of all we would not have seen 12 goals in one game but also I think the Canadians would have had more of a shot to climb back into it I, I look at this game through the lens of I saw a lot of good things out of the Canadians offense tonight. Like Josh Anderson getting a hat trick was great. His first goal is one Connor Hellebuck's going to want back. The goaltending in this game, every goalie coach or whoever was watching this game must be looking at this and going, what in the hell was all of that? Connor Hellebuck was not good in this game. Samuel Montembeau was worse in this game. The offense got a chance to thrive. And I'm looking at some of the numbers here. Like defensively, 
the Canadians weren't bad. Like Jeff Petrie had a really strong game. The people he played the most against, he put up really strong possession numbers against. And it's frustrating because this game kind of got away uh, and things that the Canadians should know better about. And it was completely winnable. It It's not all bad though. Losing 8-4 looks terrible. And admitted, like, I don't like watching the Canadians give up eight goals. I don't like Samuel Montembeau having such a massive regression in this game. But at the same time, the Jets were completely incapable of doing anything at five on five in this game. And the Canadians just ran over them when it wasn't on special teams. And even the Canadians power play generated chances, but they lacked finish. It's fixable problems. If Dominique Ducharme was still coaching this team, the Habs would have lost this like 10 to two or something ridiculous. It's a really good learning experience for Martin saying that we to look at this game and think, what can I do now to change the the outlook and build of this team? What do I need to do for to be ready for the next game? Because Calgary's next, and Calgary, unlike the Jets, is very good all the way around. It's going to be it's a learning experience just as much for the players as it is for the coach. I think you made a really good point there. The Canadians went down four nothing in the first. They went down four nothing very early in the game. They spent the rest of that period coming back, and they finally completed the comeback in the second period. Obviously, it's not ideal to give up four unanswered goals. There are a lot of specific areas that the Canadians need to work on, like you said, very much. You know, the penalty kill was one. Um, I just, I, I wouldn't call it resilient because there were just so many weird. Um, momentum shifts in that game as well as things that were just kind of messing with the rhythm obviously you don't want to take so many penalties and it was kind of it was it was interesting because I felt like in this game more things were being called on both sides than usually are in in an NHL game these days and I do want to say though that it is kind of up to the Canadians to be more disciplined. You know, they're always getting away with things, but this time they were doing it a little bit more blatantly. I know things like that happen in the games. I feel like I really don't like when there's a game that's about to be really fun and exciting and have a great rhythm, and then it gets disrupted by penalty after penalty after penalty. Because I do think that the Canadians had a lot to prove against the Jets. I think the Jets had more to prove against the Canadians, which was um, it was disappointing that they got away with it. But I just, I like if you, if you ask me, like, can you summarize that game in one sentence? I can't. I literally can't. Oops. Sorry. I muted myself there. It's, it is, <laughs> it's hard to describe this game because it had so many layers to it. Giving up four goals on six shots is a terrible way to start any game. And then to mount a comeback through the first two periods there is incredible. And then to throw it all away in the third period, it it's like a miniature version of the Detroit Toronto game that a lot of us watched on Saturday night and it's you can see that this team is on the cusp of discovering so much. And at the same time, this isn't an 8-4 loss where the team played badly. Like I said, overall, if you if we're looking at even strength, the Canadians were a much better team tonight. And I think that's where frustration is going to set in for some of these guys because it's it's small little mental errors are what cost this team in this game here. And you can fix that. And knowing that it's fixable and not that it's something out of your control – might frustrate some of them. I would hope that this team comes out with that same pressure and fire against Calgary and against Edmonton and against Vancouver 
because those are, I mean, maybe the Calgary game he might chalk up as a loss, but Edmonton's a beatable team. Vancouver's a very beatable team. The opportunity's there for Martin St. Louis to kind of get on another roll there and kind of get this team back to where it needs to be as they finish out this Western trip. So the Canadians were able to beat Calgary when they were in town um, and when they were abysmal. I don't think it's definitely, you know, I don't think you definitely um, can predict a loss, but it's definitely going to be a challenge for the Canadians. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more specifics about the game in just one moment. But first, we're going to remind all of you about our favorite sponsor, Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Um, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you'll know both Scott and I love Built Bar. We use it all the time. Like Scott goes hiking a lot with Carly and they, they use built bars and I will have one in the morning because, you know, I'll have forgotten my breakfast or sometimes, you know, you just don't feel like eating when you wake up, but you need that energy. You need to be satiated. And it's so high in protein. It is literally a delicious treat. That is a protein bar. Every single bar is high in protein, low in sugar, made with real chocolate and extremely delicious. They have 18 regular flavors and they're always coming out with special edition flavors that always sound like a delicious dessert, you know, Things like, you know, lemon cheesecake, things like, you know, uh, obviously they always have to have caramel. There's always a brownie flavor. And these are not the protein bars that you're used to that kind of have that grainy texture and that weird whey protein taste. None of that with Built Bar. They're all delicious. And if you want to try any of these high in protein, low in sugar bars that are made with real chocolate, you can go to BuiltBar.com or sorry, Built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's Built.com. Enter promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. And today on your first listen of the day, we are talking about the Canadians game against the Winnipeg Jets in which a lot of interesting things happen. So I think my first thing that I want to say in terms of other than the obvious goaltending, which we'll get into in one second, is I think that, you know, Martin St. Louis likes to talk about it as reads. He likes players to make reads. I think that in the penalty kill or sort of in the defensive zone, I feel like the Canadians need to make better reads. I, I would agree with that. And I'm, I'm bouncing between money puck and uh, natural stat trick right now. And I'm looking at the Winnipeg, like all situations chart and like, it, it's not good. Their power play basically bailed them out in this game and that they were owning the front of the net. The Canadians weren't doing much to insulate Montembeau when he was there and Montembeau wasn't, helping them much in that situation either in that he wasn't where he needed to be in the defense is scrambling. There are some missed reads there. And then when I look at things at five on five, the Canadians did really well, keeping them mostly out of dangerous spots. There was one goal at five on five in a high danger spot. And I think that was one right at the end of the game on Andrew Hammond when it was already seven, four and it didn't really matter. Whereas at the other end of the ice at five on five, Montreal just took over the front of the net and out of it, they got, two goals and then one from the corner. It's I like seeing more progress like this because a rebuild is not snap your fingers and it's done. Martin St. Louis has fixed the Canadians. We're seeing the process and the progress there. And honestly, this is the kind of loss that, you know, we're not talking about a game that they kind of fluked into four goals and then blew it afterwards is that the process and the progress was there and they played well 
and their goalie had a really bad night. Now they got to figure out, okay, what can we do to help out our goalie in the next couple games here? And I think things are going to even out from there a little bit. It, it's it's very rare that a team gives up eight goals. And I just kind of go, huh, okay, well, on to the next one. And I don't feel upset at this game. I, I Maybe Dominique Ducharme just broke me because the bar was in the floor on that or something. But I, I'm really curious to see what adjustments happen next game now, whether it's new bodies in the lineup, if it's just tweaking the pairings and lines a little bit to get some more efficiency. And at the same time, you know what? It's If that's the case, good. It's a test for Martin St. Louis. Show us what you can do as a coach now. How can you adjust when things don't go your way despite being the better team? Um, I think for me, the biggest lesson there is that – if it's one game and it goes that way, I'm not too fussed about it. You know, you do have to remember that they do want that high draft pick. So what we wanted was a process, not necessarily the results for this season. Eventually we will demand the results, but right now we want the process. So what do you learn in this game uh, in terms of process? Well, you know, goaltenders have an off night sometimes. And like you said, there were there wasn't a whole lot of support for the goaltender in that game. I feel like I would worry if you strung together that kind of an abysmal game two games in a row. Like sometimes you just you have a bad day at work and sometimes that's how it works out. Right. So if you're routinely allowing those goals, like the second one he allowed uh, in that game against Winnipeg, like if, if it's something that's a regular occurrence or it's like a back to back occurrence and there's no injury to speak of, then I'm then I'm nervous. But right now I'm not too nervous. I'm also really not nervous because the Canadians need to be making these kinds of mistakes in order for Martin Saint Louis to be to to be able to identify the things that they need to work on. I mean, you know, some of these defensive lapses or the penalty kill, like the issues that they had are not new. They didn't just appear tonight. The Canadians were just able to mask them and recover better from them tonight. So for me, I think this is a really good learning experience for Martin Saint Louis. He needs to see this because he needs to see that there is an identifiable issue that needs to be fixed. And like through their improved play, maybe they didn't have a lot of opportunity to display this kind of defensive lapse. I do think also, I just I feel like there was definitely like I wouldn't call it any kind of nervousness or hesitation at all at all. Like the Canadians have been playing so much more confidently just. To a man, they've been playing so much better uh, since Martin St. Louis has been here. But there was a level of, I wouldn't even call it laziness. It's not lack of effort. It's not laziness. It's not like being too scared to play. But they were literally just undisciplined. There was like some carelessness to their game tonight that I didn't like. So that's something that I feel like um, needs to be covered up. And actually, um, our friend Andrew Berkshire mentioned that Yoel Armia seems to be the only person who hasn't like started thriving under uh, Martin San Louis. He seems to have like basically had a lost season this entire season. So would you be concerned about Yoel Armia? I am a little bit because like Andrew said, he's the only one who hasn't seemed to found another level at any point. Like he has glimpses in games where you go, okay, you know what? He looks, he looks pretty good there and then he just kind of disappears and I, I just I don't know I don't know if he's hurt I don't know if he's still suffering after effects of having COVID again like I, I just don't know what it is with him and it's frustrating because we've seen Yol Armia at his best in a Canadian's uniform in the playoffs in big games he's come up really clutch a lot for this team and now he just doesn't have it and maybe it's he's a uh 
maybe he's a uh, a trade piece, an unexpected one. That that's a contract that comes off the books. Maybe he's someone that a team looking for a depth bottom six forward needs right now or wants, and that'll help him out. Like it, it's really hard to say. Like I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm not a a perfect analyst by any means. It, it, it's just he doesn't look right at all. And I know that they want to get him back in the lineup. He has played well against the Jets, but I think having someone like Michael Pozzetta in this game with the energy and pace that he plays with might have been better served as opposed to a more methodical style that Armia plays. He wasn't awful, but he just he isn't the Yol Armia that we know or, or that we've right. known and in the past. Exactly. And so he's been on the COVID protocol twice. Uh, which just leads me to understand that he's had COVID twice. And it seemed that after the first time he had it, it was before everybody got vaccinated, right? It was literally just before everybody got vaccinated. It hit him hard and and it seemed like he didn't really come back uh, 100% from that. So again, I don't know if that's the reason. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff going on. And, and so I do think that there's definitely, in my mind something that needs to be adjusted. I don't think it's a lost cause. I think there's definitely something going on. And with regard to Michael Pizzetta, we are going to get into that in just one second, because I think he should have played tonight. Uh, I, I I also do understand why Martin San Louis didn't play him tonight. Um, I understand why Martin San Louis hesitates to use him. I, I just, I think that maybe Marty just didn't want a mess on, on his conscience, because I, I do not see a scenario in which Michael Pizzetta doesn't immediately go after the coward Mark Shifley and cause problems for himself and his future and the Canadians. So we're going to talk about that in just one moment because we have some words for Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets. All right. So I'm going to try and do this without waking up the dog because I quite frankly, uh, I, I, I try to let things go and I don't want to encourage, you know, violence against a player. And every now and then though, this came out before the game. Um, the quote from Mark Shifley was, if Jake Evans wants to fight me, I'll answer the bell. Jake Evans is a couple inches shorter and 30 pounds lighter than Mark Shifley. And I, I don't say this to be critical of hockey media because I know that their job is, hard to remain impartial, but uh, before the game, Pierre Lebrun was talking about how he thought it was ridiculous that Mark Shifley is going to have to fight after he was already punished. And all I could think was the only person keeping this alive is Mark Shifley. Jake Evans himself said he had moved on and has nothing that he wants to do with this anymore. He's passed it. He doesn't want to talk about it because quite frankly, it was a traumatic life event where he got a pretty severe concussion on a garbage cheap shot from a coward who was losing a playoff game. And the only person who cannot seem to get past this is Mark Shifley, who seems to be upset and under the, the, the umbrella of thought that, yes, I did this really illegal thing to this guy because I'm a sore loser. He should fight me because that's the case. No, you should be lucky that Shea Weber cannot play hockey anymore or he would put you in a body bag and send you to your parents. I have never seen Shea Weber so mad as I did in that playoff game because a couple of weeks ago I had watched through some playoff highlights and after that hit, Shea Weber was furious. And he 
And he's probably lucky that Michael Pizzetta did not play in this game because Pizzetta does not give a crap who you are. He fought Ryan Reeves this year, giving up 45 pounds and several inches. Do you think he's afraid of Mark Shifley? Absolutely not. And he got off light in that he annoyed Chris Weidman enough that Chris Weidman punched him in the face at the end of the game. Congratulations, Mark. You got off really easy. You got four games for a hit that probably should have been double digits, concussed a guy, and you still think you're the victim in all of this. I don't know how to better explain it to you. You are not the victim. You concussed somebody with a cheap shot in the playoffs. It's infuriating to watch you think that you're somehow wronged by the league here, and you should just be grateful that it was Chris Weidman who challenged you to a fight, that it wasn't Ben Sherratt, that it wasn't Josh Anderson, that Michael Pozzetta was not playing. You got off about as easy as you could possibly get in both these situations, but I'm sure you still think you're being done wrong here. I don't think I've ever lost so much respect for a player who I really liked watching play. I liked watching Mark Shifley on the Jets. He's extremely talented, but I can't help but look at him and not think that he's this petulant, giant crybaby. And I I can't listen to him talk and think that he's still being hard done by the NHL at this point. And I know they're good. I think the Habs and Jets have one more game at some point this season. And it's probably going to become a thing in that too, unless they count this as settled now. But I, if he comes to Montreal and is still complaining about this, I don't even care. Let Pizzetta punch him in the face right off the opening draw. I don't care anymore. If he really wants to feel hard done, give him a reason to feel hard done by then. That's it. I think- I'm out of breath. <laughs> the dog is crying in the other room. And I, I am. <sighs> <laughs> I think for me, that's it's it's exactly like you said you lost a lot of respect for him you used to enjoy watching him play he's somebody that has often been held up as one of the leaders in this league a leader on his team leadership 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 blah 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 and the thing the way that he reacted after hitting jake evans lots of players hit other players in the head lots of players get into trouble for it Lots of players do dangerous things and get caught or not caught or they get caught, but the Department of Player Safety doesn't do all that much about it. Lots of players are like that. But for the most part, they aren't gigantic diaper babies like Mark Shifley is. And that to me is the problem is that if you want to think of yourself as a leader, if you want to set an example, if you want to be a leader, you have to be accountable. You have to take responsibility. And that's the part that's driving me crazy is that he's not taking responsibility. I mean, even Brad Marchand is taking more responsibility, right? Like there's a whole bunch of players that are always like, well, I did it. I mean, I feel like that suspension was too much or I didn't deserve the suspension or I didn't deserve the penalty, but I did it. Whereas Mark Shifley is just kind of like, it happened and now I'm a victim because I got suspended for this thing. That he still I totally thinks he didn't, didn't do anything do. wrong. He still doesn't think he did anything wrong. I, what? What? <laughs> it's been almost a year. Oh it's my been, God. How, it's, it's been like, it's. I guess it's been like three quarters of a year. I don't know. The many, many months have passed since he's done this and he still has not seen the error of his ways. He still refuses to acknowledge that he did it. And like, I, thankfully, Jake Jake Evans is okay. But 
it's just if you want to be an adult, if you want to be a role model, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be an assistant captain, you want to be a captain, you want to be any kind of boss or manager or anything like that, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. Literally everybody in the world, there's video from multiple angles of you doing this thing. You cannot pretend you did not do it. I, I <laughs> Apparently you can if you're Mark Shifley. <laughs> Who I, it's amazing that we're not celebrating this more, Laura. That he can play <laughs> hockey with his head wedged firmly between his butt cheeks all all the time. I I don't I can't believe that a player like this is still making me so infuriated six months later. In that I've never seen someone dodge responsibility for their actions like this. Like, like you said, Brad Marchand, his reason might have been really stupid for why he punched <laughs> Jari in the face, but he copped to it. Mark Shifley doesn't I, – I, <laughs> I have no words. I'm out of words for this right now. And that if I keep yelling, I'm going to wake up the neighbors too. I just <laughs> – well, we did want to rant about it. We didn't want to. We did want to say our piece about Mark Shifley. Um, hopefully, this won't be a thing for the next game, and eventually, maybe he will grow up and act like an adult. Um, and in the meantime, we are going to be back tomorrow. There are still more games in this Western Road swing. The Canadians need to regroup, be more disciplined, play the game that Martin San Louis is teaching them to play, and um, and we'll be covering all of that. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at. L O underscore Canadians. If you would like to email us, we're locked on Canadians at gmail.com. If you want to find Scott on Twitter, he's at Scott Matla. If you want to find me, I am at the active stick. Thank you so much for listening to this quite disjointed episode. Um, <laughs> if you like this one, uh, make sure you check out locked on bets, make them your second listen of the day. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow.